Yeah, so, uh, fair warning. This is probably going to be an episode that does mention some very heavy painkillers that I was on. Um, we do not condone drug use unless medically prescribed by a doctor and you actually need them. Uh, that is something that, you know, drug addiction for me is something that I am absolutely terrified of. And actually, after I got out of the hospital, the heavy painkillers that they gave me to go home are still sitting on my nightstand. They are going right back to the doctor and I refuse to be on them while I'm not in the hospital being constantly monitored. Welcome back to the Breadcrumb Trails podcast. I'm Carol. I'm Danny. And I'm Gina. And Gina done fucked up. That's one way to say it. So, what the hell, Gina? I mean, what the hell? Ow! Stop that! Ow! Ow, Carol! Carol, stop bullying Gina. So, for those of you that don't know, after our last episode, and after the last semester wrapped up, Whisper, my fiancé, booked a couple's trip to Cuba for a week, for seven days. And I was all excited to go. I was ready to see. I was ready to come back with Cuban cigars and rum, and you know, I was going to have a fantastic time. And then two days into the trip, I slipped on the wet sand. My foot and leg turned. The rest of me decided that inertia was still a thing and was going to keep going in the direction that I was in. And I fractured my tibia. Uh, I fractured my tibial plateau. And for those of you who don't know, that is literally right under the knee. There's a whole story resulting in that, but the end result is right now the only thing holding my leg together is a steel plate and screws. When they cut me open for surgery on Boxing Day, they discovered that part of my tibia had actually shifted part of the way down my leg. Fantastic. What did we learn? We were supposed to learn something? Yes. Life is a box of chocolates. You know what I learned? I got a really cool travel story out of this. And maybe travel insurance? Yeah, that's the other thing. If you're going someplace that's not home, make sure you buy travel insurance. We were looking through booking the trip and all the stuff that we were going to need. And Whisper looked at me and he was like, should we get you travel insurance? He's got it through work, but should we get you get it for you? And I was like, eh, I've never actually needed it before. I should be fine. The only time I didn't buy travel insurance is of course the time I broke my leg. So I'm assuming at this point that you two have a ton of questions that you would like to ask. If you would like me to go in depth about what I remember about the story, let me know. But I, at this point, am an open book. would also be a good uh, interview with Whisper to hear your his side of the story during your intoxicated surgery post-surgery excitement when I got back to Canada and I ended up in the ER they actually gave me Percocets um, for one of my trips to the ER while I, after I got back and they gave me two I've never had Percocets before in my life until now I didn't give a fuck about anything. They were great. We do not condone drug use unless medically prescribed by a doctor and you actually need them. Uh, that is something that, you know, drug addiction for me is something that I am absolutely terrified of. And actually after I got out of the hospital, 
the heavy painkillers that they gave me to go home are still sitting on my nightstand. They are going right back to the doctor, and I refuse to be on them while I'm not in the hospital being constantly monitored. Don't do drugs, kids. So I should probably get into the story. Yes, please tell us what happened. So we landed in Cuba, probably 10.30, I think it was Monday night. And I ended up making a couple of friends on the way there. One of them is actually from the west end of our city. Uh, She's a dancer, which that's cool as all hell. And we formed a really strong friendship while we were there. Uh, The other two are from one province over on the west coast. And they travel for fun. They, they, they make a hobby of it, and I'm totally jealous of all the places that they've been. I got to see some of their some of their travel footage and just, you know, you meet people in the weirdest places. So Tuesday night rolls around, and I go for a midnight swim with one of my friends. That, one of my new friends that I'd made all as well. Got to go dip in the salt water. You know, I'm from the East Coast, swam in the ocean as a kid. It was a call to home for me, just in a different ocean. Wednesday night rolls around. And we drag our other two friends out to go for a swim. We're like, yeah, you guys are more than welcome to come. We get down to the beach. I put my towel down, put my glasses down. You know, I'm in my swimsuit, ready to go. And I'm running towards the surf. And the words that slipped out of my mouth were, surf's up, big kahuna, before my foot twisted, my foot slipped, my leg went one way, my body went the other way. I heard slash felt a pop. I still don't know how to describe that. And down I went, rolling in the sand in the surf. Naturally, my leg's hurting. I'm like, cool, probably just pulled something. I try and stand back up and back down I go. I can't put any weight on it. It won't support me at all. So I yelled, they came over. I looked up at them and I can feel the sand washing out from under my hands. Cause I'm actually in the water at this point. And I looked at them and I'm like, you gotta get me the hell out of the water now. I'm gonna friggin' wash out to sea. So they managed to get me over to one of the chairs, one of the lifeguard chairs, and I was able to sit up. Uh, One of them went back to get Whisper, and he came down and managed to loosen one of the reclining beach chairs. It was probably about 45 minutes before the ambulance showed up. It took six of them to lift me off of the sandy beach to get to a point where they could actually put me onto the stretcher, and they took me off, so I get to ride in a Cuban ambulance. I got to go to the International Hospital for Tourists. They took an x-ray, gave me some tramadol, gave me the anti-inflammatory and said, come back tomorrow. You know, we didn't catch anything on the x-ray. We're going to give you an ultrasound and see what can happen. Or see what we can find. We didn't manage to get a hold of them the next day because the doctor wasn't in, apparently. So two days down the road, and we get in for the ultrasound, and they're like, yeah, you fractured your tibia. Well, the day that we were supposed to go in and couldn't, Whisper went down and let our Air Canada rep know because we flew with Air Canada Vacations. And they told us that accommodations would be made, you know, because obviously I've got a broken leg or I've got an injured leg. I can't walk on it. We'll get you a wheelchair at the airport and whatnot and you'll, you'll be taken care of. We were like, cool. That's one less thing that we have to worry about. So there I am for the, for the other five days of our seven-day trip in a resort chair with caster wheels on the end of it always drifting to the left Uh, for the first two days after i was sleeping about 16 hours a day but for the other few days i was actually up and socializing with people went down for food you know had cigars had booze because i mean i didn't pay for the booze booze is a great painkiller don't recommend it as you know a crutch but it kills pain really good and also be above 
whatever your legal drinking age is. So that happened. So we ended up getting on the tour bus at the end of our trip. We ended up back at the airport uh, to fly out. And then it came time to get on the plane. Air Canada had three days notice that I had a broken leg, that I couldn't walk on it. And we were assured that accommodations would be made. Yes, I had wheel uh, wheelchairs while I was in the airports. Air Canada put me at the back of the plane. We're talking row 30 for one flight and row 32 for the other. We asked them for both flights if they could move me closer to the front of the plane because I have a broken leg and I cannot walk. And their response was, we're not going to disturb the other passengers for that. All said and done, I ended up walking 120 rows on a broken leg. Whisper says I weathered that extremely well, but I was doing my best not to scream in pain while I was on the plane, while I was flying. The second flight was torture for me. I could not get comfortable. I could not stop my leg from hurting for four solid hours. So the first flight was four hours. We went from Cuba to Toronto. The second flight was four hours. We went from Toronto to Calgary. And the third flight was an hour. It was on a twin prop. I'm rolled up to the twin prop in a wheelchair. And at this point, we're out on the tarmac. And I have to hop up the stairs. So cool, whatever. You know, I've been through eight hours of excruciating pain at this point. The flight attendant looks at me, and I'm pretty sure this plane was contracted, but the flight attendant looks at me and she's like, she looks me up and down. She's like, where are you sitting? I was like, I'm sitting in row 13, halfway down the plane. She's like, we'll get you seated. And then she stops for a minute and she looks at me. She looks at Whisper and she looks at her coworker. She looks back at me and she looks at her coworker. And she's like, get me the seating chart. This is without being asked. So she looks at the seating chart to see which seats are filled. And within two minutes, they had me sitting in row three, which is right next to the door. And before takeoff, I had a bag, of, a giant bag of ice in my hand. And she babied me the entire way from Calgary to the city we landed in looked after my every need. I looked like I was uncomfortable. She came over to see if everything was all right without being asked. And then when the plane landed, you know, I waited till everybody else got off. She actually let me use her as a crutch to hop to the door. And she let me use her as a steadying agent on the way down the stairs. I looked at her and I'm like, you know what? You made me, you almost made me cry twice on the plane. I said, I've been on planes now for eight, nine hours, not including air, uh, layover, uh, layovers at the airports. And not once has anybody done anything like what you've done for me today. She gave me a hug, wished me a you know, happy holiday season, fast recovery, and off she went. I don't know what she's doing now, but you know, if for whatever reason she ends up listening to this, I wish her all the best. I wish her a great career, and I hope she has a fantastic day. Did you ever catch her name? Unfortunately, that was an afterthought. I did not catch her name. I would have loved to call Air Canada and be like, this lady deserves a raise. Like, this lady deserves something for the service she gave. But I'm absolutely livid with Air Canada that they made me crawl 120 rows on a broken leg. Like, there was no excuse for that. And I'm looking into actions that I can take in order to possibly drive home a point. So we got back to Canada, and the first thing I did, I didn't even go home. I went straight straight to the airport, to the uh, to the hospital, to the ER. And I sat in the ER for several hours. At that, By the time I got in to see the doctor, I'd been up for 40 hours with a broken leg. 
Hadn't eaten since 6 a.m. Got in to see the doctor at like 8 p.m. They put me in a straight brace, gave me some painkillers and a pair of crutches, and said, time for you to go home. We'll see about getting you in. We gotta talk to the, sur uh, talk to the surgeon first. We're thinking it's a sprain. He's thinking it's broken. So that was Christmas Eve. Christmas morning, I went to roll out of bed so I could go use the bathroom. And the moment my foot went over the edge of the bed, my entire leg was on fire. I ended up being hauled out of my house in an ambulance. We had to call paramedics to get me out of my house. And I ended up going back to the hospital that morning. And I stayed there until 2 a.m. Uh, when I was admitted. But while I was in the ER, while I was back seeing the doctor, like I hadn't eaten for quite some time. Whisper was nice enough to bring me some Christmas dinner in a tin, in a tin plate. I uh, had turkey, mashed potatoes, and stuffing, and I had some green jello stuff that I love every year and still can't remember the name of it. Delicious though. And the doctor hadn't seen me yet, so he pulls back the, the curtain, looks at me, looks at the food on the table. You're going for surgery. Probably shouldn't be eating right now. I'm like, dude, I haven't eaten since this morning. Like, I don't even know when I'm going for surgery. I haven't been given a time or anything like that. Cut me some slack. I'm freaking hungry and I've got a broken leg. He's like, cool, we'll get you some painkillers. We'll see how mobile you are. And then you're gonna get up, you're gonna go back to the waiting room and we're gonna give the bed to somebody who's actually sick. So that was that. And then I went and waited, finally got admitted around 2 a.m. And then 10 a.m. on Boxing Day, I was breathing in whatever the hell they were using for anesthetic to knock me out. And then I woke up with 25 staples in my leg and a steel plate. And four days on oxycodone. So for those of you that don't know, for the last two to three weeks, I have been on crutches and in a wheelchair for long, uh, wheelchair for long distance travel, crutches for short distance, the crutches I used to get around the apartment. Um, it's been interesting. It's given me a whole new perspective on things, seriously. Yeah, I'm finally taller than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the shortest out of the group, Kay. To put it into perspective, Gina is six feet. Six foot one. Okay, six foot one. I'm five foot four. I'm five foot four, but I wear high shoes. What they're saying is I'm gargantuan. Uh, but no, it's given me a whole new perspective. Being like, I can't do certain things that I used to be able to do. At least not for the short term. Getting around the city on my own uh, during Canadian winter is interesting. As a matter of fact, for the next week, it's going to be about minus 40, minus 45 with the wind chill. And that's in Celsius. I was going to a doctor's appointment and Whisper was at work and I was trying to cross a uh, busy street to get to the other side so I could go see my doctor who was on the other side of the street and my wheelchair got stuck because they hadn't fully plowed the roads and there was a pile of snow sitting there so I turned the wheelchair around tried to back across it one of the footrests as I was struggling to get over the snow snapped off and I'm sitting there half on the road half on the sidewalk with vehicles whizzing no more than two inches behind me. And nobody stopped to ask if I was okay or if I needed help. I had to call Whisper to come and get me, to take time out of his workday to come and get me. And he got to me in 18 minutes. 18 minutes is an eternity when you're sitting on a street corner like that. He ended up taking the rest of the day off work to make sure that I was okay, but just the fact that nobody stopped to ask if I was all right. I'm, I'm seeing things in a whole new light now, and there's a story here that needs to be told, and I'm actually in the process of maybe or maybe not writing a blog post, a story or an article, and I'll see if I can sell it or something like that, but 
it's been an interesting experience. So, how is the medical care in Cuba? How does it compare to Canada or perhaps even the US? I ended up paying out of pocket because we did not pick up travel insurance. Like, we did not pick up the, the medical insurance. I ended up paying 630 Canadian dollars. But I didn't wait at the hospital. There was no lineup. The ambulance dropped me off. They wheeled me in. And the doctor saw me five minutes later. I was on the... As a matter of fact, that five minutes was me crawling onto the x-ray table. At the same time, the rules for medical care is a little different if you're a foreigner. In Thailand, if you're a citizen, then the medical care is, again, paid for in your taxes. However, if I broke my leg in Thailand, I'm gonna have to pay for it. Speaking of payment, how did you end up paying for it? It is pretty cheap, and as far as how I paid for it, well, actually Whisper paid for it because I didn't have the cash on me at the time. So the first visit he paid for with credit card. The second visit, their POS was down because the internet's not a thing in Cuba. As we learned from Sheena Rossiter, go back to that episode. A lot of businesses don't use debit or credit. It's cash only. It is a very cash prevalent society. You can get little Wi-Fi cards that are good for an hour, but they tether to the device that you first use them on, so they can only be used on that device. And you can surf Facebook or things. I went and downloaded a few books for my tablet, so I, I caught up on a lot of reading. But don't expect to watch videos. Don't expect to surf YouTube. Don't expect to, you know, watch Twitch. And expect the internet to cut out multiple times, even while you're trying to log on. Also, not every place has Wi-Fi. It's usually in localized areas like certain parks or the hotels for international travelers that have Wi-Fi. You won't get it at restaurants. You won't get it in shops. You have to go to certain areas. As a matter of fact, if you go down the street and you see a bunch of people just sitting down staring at their phones, you're probably looking at a Wi-Fi park. So the second visit, their POS was down. So uh, we ended up getting back into the ambulance and the ambulance driver drove us to the bank. So Whisper could pull the funds from the bank. And the process there is so convoluted that the ambulance driver actually waited 45 minutes for him to come out with the money. And then he took us back. We totally need to get Whisper in here to talk about that experience. Yeah, I'm not using his real name. If he wants to out himself and you know, give his name, that's his prerogative. But for right now, I'm just going to call him Whisper. All right. And do you have any insurance here in Canada that, you know, you could perhaps claim with, claim the the visit with them? Insurance, no. But as was just pointed out to me a couple of minutes ago, while we were taking a quick break, I might be able to claim some of those expenses on my taxes. So I might be able to get some of that back. I'm also going to be checking with my school to see if they can cover any expenses or anything like that or help at least reimburse. Other than that, I really don't know what's out there. I do know that after I landed in Canada, 
I've never been so grateful for A, socialized healthcare, and B, freaking Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's the weird thing. When I went, when, when I was in Africa, Bush Camp did not have Wi-Fi, and I kind of found that I did not like Wi-Fi that much afterwards. Carol's trip to Africa we'll be talking about soon coming up. We have it recorded. We just have to edit it and get it out there. Yep, and I kind of forgot all about it. But at the same time, I lost Wi-Fi connection during the Canadian election. So once I got Wi-Fi back five days after I had it off, yeah, that was not fun. There was a lot of bitching and whining on on Facebook. So other than breaking your leg, is there anything else in Cuba that stands out? How are them cigars? Oh, hell yeah. So... A, I came back with Cuban cigars, and B, I came back with a bottle of Cuban rum that I actually won during a game of bingo from my resort. I was sitting at the resort on the pool deck with my broken leg, for lack of a better word, on one of the pool chairs, and they were coming around with these little bingo cards. Like, do you plan? I was like, yep, I'm going to try. So they started calling out the numbers. Fifteen minutes later, I had a bottle of Cuban rum in my hands. Just a cheap little bottle of white rum, but it was actually bottled in Cuba. So, I mean, it's something special, right? Them Cuban cigars, that took some getting used to. Uh, but I picked up 15 of them for 28 Cuban convertible pesos, which is about 35 bucks Canadian, give or take. Smoked cigars in Cuba, which was cool. Smoked. I actually had one of those cigars on New Year's Eve. The tobacco and booze are cheap. I went to a place where I, despite the fact that the booze was included with the... Um, with the resort, I actually went out to a restaurant, uh, like a, uh, kind of a, not a restaurant, but a, it's just kind of like a little meal hut. I don't know what they call it, hacienda or something like that. I, I, I don't know. Um, it was just across the street from my resort, and I bought a beer. And the beer was like three Cuban convertible pesos, so about four and a half to five bucks for a bottle. And while I was there, I didn't vape much. I smoked cigar- uh, cigarettes because... I'm in Cuba, and they have menthol, and I have a thing for menthol. They were a buck and a half per pack. Uh, sorry, uh, one and a half Cuban convertible pesos per pack, so about two to three bucks per pack. That's bloody cheap. That tells you just how much we as Canadians tax our cigarettes. And they weren't bad. They had the, they had the little popper thingies in them in the filters. You can pop in and essentially infuse the cigarette with menthol. I also had those when I went to Japan, too. I need to go back to Japan, but that's beside the point. We're talking about Cuba right now. So other than the incident there, any any cool beach, beach stories you have? I mean, people go to Cuba for the beach. Come on. Yeah, so I took one of them old-fashioned taxis, the 1950s cars, one of the classic cars in Cuba. Nice. I took it down to Al Capone's residence. Oh, nice. Which they have turned into a restaurant. So we sat on Al Capone's balcony outside, spitting literal, literal spitting distance from the beach, and I had a pina colada. It was gorgeous. I was thinking of that song. It, yeah, no, it was it was gorgeous. I actually have picture. I actually have a couple of pictures. Should have a couple of pictures on my phone uh, that I took specifically of that pina colada overlooking the overlooking the ocean. That is some Instagrammable bullshit, but it was worth it. Um, what else did I do? 
So we were sitting there in December. That would have been December 17th that I went down. And it was 30 degrees. On our way back to the airport, they told us, uh, the, the tour guide told us, you know, it's 17 degrees Celsius. For us down here, you know, it's a little cold. We're dressed up in jackets and scarves and some of us have hats on because it's fairly cold for us. And then we've got you guys coming down here in shorts, t-shirts, and bikinis. Our normal right now is minus 30, okay? Yeah, I've run into that same incident in Hong Kong where it was 27 degrees. People are out there in parkas, and I'm here, tank top, shorts. I stuck out like a sore thumb. There are people on the MTR looking at me like, What is wrong with this guy? She must be one of those crazy people. And to give you guys an idea, for the next week it's supposed to be minus 40, and I'm sitting here currently in a skirt because it is the easiest thing to throw on over the brace that they've gotten in. I can wear jeans, but my je I have like one pair of jeans that I can wear with this brace, and they have to be washed because I've been wearing them all week. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little cold out. I mean, I've got a blanket to cover my lap, but it's a little cold out. Gina is babushka now? Gina is babushka. With rum instead of vodka. And cigars. I learned how to smoke cigars. I've smoked cigars and I will probably smoke until these cigars are gone and then probably won't buy any more until I go back to Cuba again. You know, I'll try anything once. I've decided I'm probably not gonna break my leg again. Not my most favorite thing in the world to do, but it's an experience and it's given me a new outlook. So how limited were you in Cuba with a broken leg? Yeah, what did you do for the rest of your trip other than lay around. So for the first two days after I broke my leg, I slept 16 hours a day. I got up to eat. I got up to have, a, uh, I, well, I got up to eat and have a smoke. I got up to use the bathroom and then I slept. For the other few days after that, um, I actually went down and I socialized, had a couple of drinks, you know, smoked some cigars, smoked cigarettes, and I got a lot of reading done. I didn't really leave the resort after that. It's not really... The chair wasn't really all that great. It was literally a chair. Um, it was kind of like a lounge chair that doesn't lean back on caster wheels instead of like actual wheelchair wheels. So you're talking these little spindly, these little like spindly ball uh, wheels. They don't really do much. Uh, so it wasn't really conducive. For, it wasn't really easy for me to go anywhere. So I literally just hung around the resort. And Whisper stayed with you through the whole time, or did he run out and do stuff on his own? Whisper has uh, Whisper went off and did his own things because, of course, he needs break. But he's been hauling my broken ass around now for the last three weeks, and I probably would not have survived this long without him. Um, he's been a he's been a godsend. I know I've been leaning on him really heavily, but I mean, having a broken leg isn't something that I've actually done before. Up until now, I've never broken a bone in my body. I didn't know what it was like. He's actually had to take time off of work to make sure that I'm all right. But no, he went off and did his own thing and whatnot and did a little shopping around and went for walks, which, you know, that was that was great. When I went into the hospital, he's like, I want to come with you. And I'm like, no, you've been hauling my broken ass around now for quite a few days. Go home and sleep. I had, I, I had to basically tell him he wasn't allowed to follow me to, follow me to the hospital other than getting me in the door. So he would go home and sleep, but... Did he actually sleep? More sleep than I had. The entire time I was in the hospital, I didn't sleep. 
I don't sleep in hospitals. Same thing I don't sleep in airplanes or airports. I can't. So he had a nap, a rest and whatnot. And I had been up for 45, 46 hours by all the time uh, when it was all said and done. I was pretty, pretty exhausted. So I know you brought a couple of treats home with you from Cuba. Did you manage to get those before you broke your leg or did Whisper pick them up for you? No, I bought them before I broke my leg. I actually, um, interesting story. I almost got um, ripped off at one of the markets. I was looking around, looking for stuff to buy, and uh, this guy pulls me into his booth and starts pointing at stuff and talking excitedly. And I can't, for the life of me, understand a word of him, a word of what he's saying. Um, and he starts, you know, talking about money and whatnot, and he starts pointing at a couple of things. And I was like, cool. Like, he took one of these little boxes and pulled it up, and I couldn't figure out how he did I was like, cool, how'd you do that? So then he takes the box, opens it, and starts carving our names in it, which, you know, I... I'd written down for him, stupid me. And then he starts carving our names on a picture frame and tries to convince me that only 180 convertible pesos. Keep in mind, one peso, one convertible peso is like one reg, uh, 25 regular pesos. So I was like, you know what? I don't have the money. Don't have the money. And I kept telling him this over and over and over. I don't have the money. Before I knew it, the money that I had in my hand was in his hand and he was putting it in his wallet. He also tried to convince me, like I, I opened my purse to show him that I don't have money. He took my vape out of my purse and he's like, I'll take this as payment. And I'm like, no, I need this. This is my nicotine. He's like, oh, do you have a husband? I was like, yeah, he's back at the hotel. I'll go talk to him. So I went back and talked to Whisper. And Whisper was like, I'm sorry that happened to you. I really don't know what to do. I went and talked to a couple of our friends. They're like, that's shitty that that happened. We don't really know what to do. So me being me, gathered up what balls I had, figuratively speaking, walked back to the market, found the vendor, and I looked at him and I'm like, I want my money back. He's like, oh, you don't have to pay anymore. No, I want my money back. You, you don't have to pay anymore. You, you take, you take. I want my money back. Are you sure? Yes. And I just kind of stood there with my hand out. He gave it back, but I almost lost what little spending money I had left. And that was about the time I went over to the, the place across from the resort and bought a beer, sat down, had a couple of drinks, and we smoked and just kind of processed information. But before I knew what was happening, that money was out of my hand and in his wallet. And I'm just like, the fuck happened? Like, the fuck, man? I do know, because I've taken family trips to Mexico and stuff, and this happens in Rome a lot, is pe people will do that. They will start giving you a service, and then they'll charge you for it. And you're like... I didn't ask for it, but I didn't ask for you to, um, for when we were in Mexico, it was people with like parrots or iguanas. You could take pictures with them, but they'd go up to kids because you know, we were like 10 or 12 at the time. Mm -hmm. They'd go up to us and be like, oh, do you want, like, do you want to, like, do you want to hold him? Just like, heck yeah, I want to hold him. He's a giant freaking lizard, right? And then they turn to the parents, 10 bucks, 10 bucks to hold the lizard. And you're like, and then when I was in Rome, there would be. I've specifically looked out, looked for these people because I had a thing that I was trying to do, but they, especially around the Colosseum, they'll dress up like as gladiators or like Roman soldiers or something. You can take pictures with them and then they'll charge you for it. 
and then like you they'll get your friend to take pictures for you and then they'll convince your friend to do it even if they don't want to i bought a sp- like a, an assassin's creed hoodie when i went to italy because i was like <laughs> fuck fucking yeah mint. fucking mint and when i saw these people I was like i'm gonna wear my my hoodie and like make it look like i'm assassinating one of these roman guards so i had to go find one and he was like you want a picture i'm like heck yeah i want a picture and he's like we'll do this and like you attack and i'm like heck yeah but then the guy who, my friend who was taking the picture, he was like, now you two, now you. And he's like, no, no, no. So it, it was definitely an interesting experience. Um, but yeah, I, I did pick up a couple of knickknacks. Also good on you for getting your money back. I know I went and confronted him and thank God the guy had apparently had issues with confrontation because he, he looked a little unnerved when I came back. And I was just like, I, I stared him right in the eyes. I'm just like, give me my fucking money back. Like, I didn't ask for any of that shit. You did that on your own. You're stuck with the damaged product now. It's not mine. And the funny part is, if he had to just let me look, I probably would have bought something from him because I'm a tourist in a foreign country and I've got money burning a hole in my pocket that I bought specifically to buy crap with to bring back. Like, I probably would have bought something from him, but he decided to be a dick about it. So backtracking a little bit. Sorry, Danny. (laughs) Yeah, so another scam that I along the same lines that I ran into in Vietnam is people would walk around with those giant poles holding some rice or something and try to put it on you. A woman tried to do that on me. There is something that I'm very glad about. I'm taller than the average Asian, especially taller than the average Vietnamese person. I am glad that she struggled to put this thing on me. And also the fact that I walk on my tippy toes, which made it a little bit tougher for her, but she eventually managed and somehow I wiggled out of it and she nearly dropped the thing. (laughs) And at that point I bolted with my poor elderly parents running after me as I almost expected her to tell me, pay me, pay me for breaking it. That is seriously the wrong accent. We have... I want to say about 15 postcards from Cuba sitting here that we need to get rid of. Yeah, Shea Guevara. Yeah. Um, give me one second. I think I got one of. I got one with here with classic cars on it. Actually, they look kind. Those classic cars look kind of like the one the one I rode in. Not quite, but yeah. They are. They're mostly of Shea Guevara. Uh, Guevara. Not quite, but They are. They're mostly of Shea Guevara. I have an interesting little anecdote. If you do end up going to Cuba to tour around, um, I don't remember where it is. I think it's in Havana. But Che's youngest son, Ernesto Guevara, runs a motorcycle tour guide. And you go to the museum, Che Museum and uh, Crypt. What's the more normal word for that? Grave? No, it's an actual mausoleum. mausoleum. That's the one. So you go to the mausoleum. I'm talking to a goth here. Like I, I know several <laughs> different words for that. So. I'm a history nerd. It's crypt or necropolis. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can go there. Um, and so I read this really beautiful article about like what he does and like his relationship with his father, which is basically non-existent. Um, so yeah, we were talking about that while you were gone on your break. So on top of the postcards, I also brought back 
So on top of the postcards, I also brought back, I mean, they're just dinky little things, but they're, they're magnets and they're cute. One of them's actually a map of the Cuban island itself. Uh, the other one is, oh, what's his name? Yeah, thank you. Uh, there's uh, one that looks remarkably like the beach that I slipped and broke my leg on. And I have a Havana Club uh, magnet as well. And then the piece de resistance that I brought back. Uh, this is actually a hand carved, what appears to be a hand carved wooden travel chest set that folds up, it keeps all of the pieces inside. Uh, the pieces might not be hand carved, but the board looks like it was carved by hand and fit together uh, at one point. Uh, and it is varnished and whatnot. And I originally brought back something else, but that didn't quite survive properly. So I'm uh, willing to part with my the chest that I bought for myself. Mm-hmm. But it, it look, it, you know, it might be just kind of a cheap little gimmick, like the the chessboard. But it looks pretty nice. Well, why don't we catch up again with you guys later? Thanks for tuning in. And we will find out, we will figure out, uh, we'll sit down and figure out when we're going to be doing our giveaways because we now have an ample amount of postcards from several different destinations as well as some really cool knickknacks to give away. Yeah. We'll so, see you on the trails. Yeah. So for the breadcrumb trails, I'm Gina. I'm Danny. And I'm Carol. And we'll see you guys on the trails.